nothing to worry about. Much bigger than any virus. All you gotta do is read your Bible and pray every day. Wash your hands. Wash, wash, wash those hands. And no touch the cash. No touching the face. <laughs> okay. Ayayo. Bye bye. And don't forget, God loves you very much. Happy Wednesday. Oh my goodness, Steve. What are you doing? <laughs> no Whoops. getting high on air. <laughs> oh, I'd be getting high with that. You know, the cutest. I, I got addicted to life once. I started seizing the day and I started seizing weeks. Months. I will say those little kids could teach me something because I can't keep my hands off of my face, whether it's my beard or putting them in my nose. Oh my gosh. Like it's bad. You need a life lesson from those two girls. So how is everybody? I'm good, but look what I got. I found. <laughs> you found wind pirate hat. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have wind pirate PPG on tonight. Yeah, I guess I won it last year. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, how is it up in Tillamook? It's uh, it's rainy, so rainy. I don't feel so bad for being broken. <laughs> and rainy here too. So, how's your arm? It's good. I can type with two hands now. Like I can, like tie my bandana. I can sort of reach. I just can't. I can't Check lift yourself. with this arm much weight. <laughs> I can I can feel the bone getting sticky and making the callus. So good. Ask me how my foot is. How's your foot? Oh gosh, you should have saw it the other day. It was oozy goozy and I oh. saw it. it was I saw a picture. No. It looked like a horror movie problem. No. That no. one. <laughs> no. You didn't put was, that one out there. <laughs> it was as the bandages were coming off and it was oozy goozy. Oh no, I don't want to see it. You want me to show you the pictures? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. My so left foot is still screwed up from landing in a tree. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like, where did this pain come back from? And then I realized, like, oh, I probably just didn't notice it because of my shoulder. <laughs> it hurt worse than your foot. Yeah. So tomorrow so I could better? Yeah, it's sore. I think I jacked up my foot landing in the tree more than I thought I did. Free flight is dangerous, people. Angie can hook a leash onto you now and drag you around. <laughs> Good one, scuba. What about your foot now? Um, Jade? I go to the surgeon tomorrow for another checkup. And got lots of questions to ask him as to where it's going to put me. And because he had mentioned more surgeries coming up in the future so but we got to get this huge wound healed first before i think he wants to go in anymore and do any more cutting so um pretty sore at walking had physical therapy again today and my my uh quad is just very sore deep down and by the bone we thought it was the 
the femur yet, but it must be just that it's, I was like that day that I showed the video of me walking. That was my first day walking felt really good. And after that, I've been in pain ever since. So, well, it's pretty, it's probably atrophied somewhat, you know, from yeah. not being used. Right. So you've got a little buildup to do there. Yeah. So we've so. been working on it. Plus trying to bend the knee because that was my artificial knee from a year ago also. Does yeah. that have a warranty on it? I wish, I hope. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Thank you for the prayers, Linda. So, all right, let's bring John Allen in from Arizona. So how the Hello. Heck are you, John? I'm doing great. It's winter's coming, so it's wonderful. <laughs> What's the temperature <laughs> down there in the fall? So we are on the last few days in the 90s. It's still, uh, I think the high today was like 96. And then by the end of the week, we're in the 80s. And then we got a couple months in the 70s. Mm. And, uh, what's, it, what's it getting in the, at night? Uh, so I'm up at 3,500 feet. So it drops down. Um, even now, it's dropping down in like the low 60s. Uh, and then... You know, as we get down into like the seventies, it'll drop down in like the upper forties, lower fifties. So I get a pretty good temperature swing down where I'm at. Yeah. That's nice. So good flying weather. That's open the windows weather at night, forties and fifties. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's say hi real quick before we start um, picking John's brain. Scuba's in the house, and Mike S. is here again. Zach Gannon from last week, our guest. Brian and I would think Bonnie Franz is in here. Um, Linda Anderson. The other Nick. Stop. Live. Deweese is in here chatting with everybody, and Joe Adele, Kevin Houston. Let's see. Um, looks like our normal crew, Bill H. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys for all showing up tonight, and I'm glad you could make it. So, oh, Bonnie's not in the house yet. So, all right. It's okay. I put her on the wheel, Brian. <laughs> she'll probably win she always does mm -hmm. so, anyway who wants to go first at some questions i do you do okay so, john you uh when did you start 2015 2016 um so uh 2015 i actually started flying um a couple years before that i moved to maricopa uh right down the road from where mo sheldon has air paramo mm -hmm. and tandem flight and so i actually spent um because i had just moved and stuff so i was trying to get money together um and so i spent a couple years literally hanging out at the field and kiting and and working on stuff before i ever started flying okay so you hung out with mo sheldon for like oh, quite a long time yeah. before then yeah and yeah i worked with him for a couple years and stuff too and for people who don't know who mo sheldon is he's the guy that runs Arizona Flying Circus. It's really out in the middle of nowhere, but he does have access to like an airport that's pretty close to 
What's the name of the city? Can't remember. Um, Maricopa is the closest town, city. Okay. By the by the open pit copper mine over there. Oh, Casa Grande. Casa Grande. So you were with him for a couple of years. Um, what, uh, what, like Mo's got a reputation for being pretty different and he's like got his, his crazy <laughs> eyes. And he's he, actually a really, he's a super nice, warm man. Super nice guy. The most ADD person I've ever met in my life. Um, <laughs> amazing pilot. Um, just phenomenally skilled. Yeah, and uh, knows his stuff. He's been doing it since like 90, I don't know, 95, 96, somewhere around there. And so I know he's got like his own the frame power. stuff going on, but like when you were learning from him, what kind of equipment was available to you? Um, so he had the grasshopper trikes at the time. And then um, on foot launch, the, uh, the Maverick wasn't out yet. Uh, the Yuta Yak was brand new. Oh, okay. uh, Yudas were a brand new frame that were kind of popular around um, here. And, uh, you know, they're nice. Everything was heavy. Um, my first foot launch unit was actually a PAP uh, 1400 with a uh, Thor 250 on it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 96 pounds with no fuel in it. Really? Man. Yeah, it was just a beast. But it was only a beast for three steps, and then you were flying. So oh, there was no uh, running. <laughs> what kind of wing was available to you then? Uh, Mac Perry Chargers were out. They were kind of just brand new. So um, okay. my first wing was actually a Mac Para Muse 2. And then right after that, I got a Charger. So what are you flying now? Um, currently, um, I have a, for foot launch, I have a uh, Mac Para Colorado 2, which is their new kind of high B, low C wing or whatever. Um, and I just sold my trike wing. And so I'm buying a new... Um, Niviuk Arbus is actually on the way to me right now, but I, I have a slight problem. I, I fly a different wing probably every three or four flights. Um, I run ITV, MacPara, Niviuk. Uh, I've got some APCO wings, so I'm not... Um, you say you have a slight problem, you have an addiction to wings? Yeah, I, I think I've got 14 wings or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean a lot of it's for the school but i still i still use them all the time so so how was your first year like from when you did learning after spending all that time with mo when you started flying was it way easier for you or did you still struggle with some stuff oh no so actually um i spent so much time kiting that i would actually go down and like when he would get brand new students, I'd go down and like help teach them kiting. And so it was a pretty short transition once I got the money together and finally got a, um, going. Um, but I, uh, I spent, I, I did it a little bit different is cause I knew I didn't really, I couldn't afford to, uh, crash basically. <laughs> I, I was running a little too broke for that. So I spent my first 20 hours, um, not leaving the, the field there, just practicing touch and goes, taxiing. I, I started on a trike and then uh, learned foot launch afterwards. So a little backwards of what a lot of people do. Okay. 
So I got a question. What do you like better, foot launch or trike? Ooh, um, when there's no wind, definitely a trike. <laughs> so um, it's just sit there and add throttle. It's awesome. Um, you know, it, it depends on what you're doing. The foot launch is so much more versatile. You can throw it in the back of a car, you know. And so the trikes are kind of cumbersome that way. Um, on the flip side of it, I do a lot of like paracamping stuff and flying out in the desert. So it's really nice to have the trikes where you can load them down with gear and you're not having to run and carry all that. And, um, and so I fly both. I probably fly, oh, 75 to 80% of the time fly trike and then, uh, 20% of the time fly foot launch. Uh, this, it's very convenient. So. So Zach wants to know if you have any inputs on the ITV Piper. Um, yes. Uh, it's a nice cross-country wing, but make sure you get it 2D, uh, the 2D steering tied in. It, it's like a completely different wing. Um, and ITV runs their uh, weight range a little differently than a lot of the other companies do. So the optimal place to fly an ITV wing is center of the weight range that they have marked. Um, you know, it's just the way that they calculate weight range. That So if you're dead center of the weight range, it's going to be um, kind of its optimal balance for, you know, stability and speed and everything. If you go now, higher, you're more. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, that's for all of them. But the Piper, if you don't, have the 2d steering on it tied in uh the brake pressure is really heavy but if you do it's a very nice responsive wing um and they're they're cross country wings so you know you can't expect them to be a free ride or something where you're just uh if you want to do acrobatics on it you're going to have to make it they're made to to be a good cross country wing stable not oscillate and uh they got a good speed range to them all right. So what do you have coming up? Um, we have um, a couple of fly-ins coming up, actually. Okay. So Brad Roper's fly-in in Southern Utah is coming up in like two weeks. Okay. Also uh, known as Brad April's fly-in. <laughs> Brad April's. Brad April's. Brad April's. But that's coming up in like two weeks. And then the weekend after that, we actually have a fly-in um, here in Tombstone uh, called the Hill Dorado Days fly-in. And the Hill Dorado Days uh, is a, uh, an event that's been held in Tombstone since 1902 or something like that. Um, so it's uh, kind of their biggest event that they have. It's been around forever. And they do a lot in town and the city has just been awesome with us, you know. Uh, so we do a fly in there at the city airport. It's out of town about five miles. So it's kind of cool. We can fly, but then, then, you know, during the day, there's tons of stuff going on in town too. So, um, and then, you know, it's right in between Tombstone and Bisbee, which is a, a really cool little, it's a mining town turned tourist trap kind of thing. So it's neat. It's neat. A lot of history. Do you have that on the website? Um, yeah, and it should be on like the paramotor groups as an event. And um, 
we had some issues with it, but I believe it's up on the USPPA website in the events as well. Okay, let me look. Um, so yeah, and then it's it's all I know it was linked to the main paramotor group. Southern Utah, and then hmm, ah. no, we got okay. Southern Utah October twelfth through the fifteenth, and then Flying Circus. Oh, okay. February. I will talk to Jeremy when I get off the phone here. Actually, well, actually, that's Jade's husband who's in charge of that calendar. So, <laughs> yep. oh. okay. We still we had all this stuff up on there. I don't know, like last year, yeah. but but last year he put up some of the previous years, and then somebody got mad because well, we're not doing that this year. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. You can't make everybody happy ever. Right. <laughs> so, so, but it is definitely happening this year. Okay. So, is there a fee or anything if anybody is listening that wants to go to this? Do they have to no. sign? No. Nope. Totally free. It's at the, the city helps. Um, you know, they, they supply all of like the outhouses and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, so. Totally free, no registration, no anything. You're kind of responsible for yourself. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, the only thing we ask is people not to be, you know, an idiot and go land on horses or something in Tombstone. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, it's totally free event. Okay. All right. So what are you doing there in Arizona? So I have a school I teach. Um, mostly I do this full time, you know, sell paramotors, work on them, teach. Um, and I do that here in Arizona most of the year. And then I usually go up to the Northwest to Idaho and Oregon in the summertime for a few weeks. I didn't this year. Um, I had some other stuff planned. Um, so I actually canceled that out and uh, uh, did. I was doing some instructor courses um, cause I'm an, uh, instructor admin. And so, uh, I'm teaching on some instructors and so, yeah, I do this full time. Um, and then if it's real slow, I still do, uh, I, I done excavation work for years, dirt work with my dad. And so, uh, I'll go work with him for a while and do in between jobs when, um, when I'm not busy. So tell us about your place that you're building up and working on? Yeah. So um, I was right there by Mo in Maricopa for oh, eight years. And then about a year and a half ago, uh, we got a place down in St. David. Um, I've got 40 acres here and a good well. So I'm putting in a fly park. I've got um, uh, about a five acre grass field, which doesn't mean much to all those people on the East Coast. But it's pretty amazing for all of us here in Arizona. And so, uh, yeah, I've got sod grass field, um, all underground sprinklers on it and, um, kind of building it up to be a fly park. I'm only about uh, nine miles off of the freeway, um, for the I-10. So where people can come in, camp for a couple of days and fly out of here. And, um, it's a cool place to fly. There's a ton of history here. It's a uh, San Pedro river Valley and, um, all the way back to, they've actually found like several, uh, woolly mammoth tusk and stuff like that just down the river from me. 
Okay. Hard to keep that grass alive? Yes. A lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, I, I just made a trip yeah, to, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I wish. No, um, we just made a trip to Maine, actually, like a family trip. Uh, so we had some friends that invited us out there and we made this road trip all the way through and I stopped some, to see some friends in in Indiana and I was like, man, this grass is awesome. Like, what do you, what'd you do? Did you plant it? And he goes, no, no, I just cut down the trees and this grew all in. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so, yeah. It's like this lush grass lawn and it's, he's like, yeah, I just cleared out all the brush and then this is what it does. <laughs> so so there aren't a whole lot of instructor administrators like tell me about your journey pursuing that and what motivated you to do it how hard was it to get that kind of get it up yeah that level? so i started out actually um because i started on a trike um there was no instructor rating at the time that i started um the waiver for the USPPA didn't cover trikes at the time. Um, and so they, I, I got my first ratings through an uh, organization called the ASC, uh, Aero Sports Connection. And um, so I got my first instructor rating through them. And then I want to say in 2017, maybe, I got my instructor rating through USPPA. Um, and then it, um, I kind of worked from there. I wanted to be able to kind of help people out, um, and, you know, not make the pathway easy to become an instructor, but to help people, um, to be more organized with it and have a better curriculum where we got better quality training in the sport. Um, because, you know, like I, uh, I went through training with Mo Sheldon originally and it, it was good, but it was his like he had developed his own trick training curriculum and there was no outside input on it. And then I, uh, I started working with another instructor, um, that was pretty new named Brian Pearson. He's got Oregon PPG up in. Oh uh, yeah. I know Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Eastern Oregon. And he had learned from, um, what is it called there in, in, uh, uh Midwest powered paragliding in, in Indiana. And they have like a totally different system. Same thing. Dave Halcombe's been around forever, um, but nobody really coordinated anything. And so I kind of saw the USPPA as a way that, um, you know, we could kind of coordinate and take the best practices from different schools and merge them into something that was, you know, more comprehensive and a better system. And um, when Noah got to be the um, president of the USPPA, um, they, he, he used to train at the field that I worked at all the time in the winter. And so I know Nick and Noah really well, awesome, awesome guys. And so he kind of had the same view of, of, Hey, instead of me doing my thing and this guy doing his thing, let's try to make the training just better across the board for people and, you know, cut down on, on a lot of the accidental deaths and problems. And, and so we kind of went at it that way. Um, and, Honestly, there's only, oh, there may be a couple more now, but there was only 16 of us uh, instructor admins. And a lot of the guys are not active anymore that are instructor admins, actually. So you'd have like one chance a year in the whole West Coast to go and get your instructor rating. 
And if you couldn't make that week work, then you were just out of luck unless you wanted to go fly all the way back east somewhere. And so I kind of went into it with that of, you know, I, uh, I fly a trike more than most people. And, um, you know, it's a different skill set than foot launches. And so I had quite a bit of um, input for the way that you train on trikes. There's some different tools you can use, that kind of stuff. And so I kind of wanted to share with that and help people to, to have a coordinated start when they became instructors instead of just being like, oh, hey, I'm a pilot. I think I'm just going to go start teaching my buddies. And then, uh, and then they don't really know a lot of the, the background stuff that guys have spent the last, you know, 25, 30 years uh, learning. And so it's more of a, a combination of, you know, trying to pull everybody's good information together and make a, a good curriculum and, and make sure we have good training uh, going out to new pilots. So did you work with Noah to get your instructor admin or? or uh, yeah. So, no, I, I ended up doing my instructor admin with Noah. Um, and... I mean, I'd worked with a couple other guys a little bit, but like I said, there's only a couple that are instructor admins. So, um, yeah, I went and took in the course with him and taught a, co- a class with him. You know, you have to have all of the, uh, the conditions that they have set. And then even after you take the course, um, he can recommend you to the training committee, but then they have to approve you. And they kind of go through your history of, you know, have you been one of these guys that's, causing problems and flying over houses and, you know, um, just causing grief for the whole organization. Are you going to be a good representative for it? And so they kind of review that and then approve or decline you. And so they, I got the approval. So it only cost me a couple thousand bucks to Chris Santa Croce. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, it was good, but yeah, it is a process and I think it should be. Um, you know, it, it should be a pretty high standard if you're going to, you know, kind of put the stamp on it for the USPPA. Yeah. I remember one point in time I got pretty hot with them and regarding who are instructor admins and who got approved <laughs> just because you, know, you got to have that standard and trust. And um, yeah, it, it's hard because they, they have to be able to, you know, create a standard on quality of training, but at the same time, you know, the goal is to not be total Nazis with it on every part of a person's business and like, you know, my way or the highway kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a tricky thing. uh, Trying to, trying to figure out who they approve and who they don't. And, and then uh, even legally um, it takes a lot for them to be able to remove somebody Right. As admin without it being, you know, open for lawsuits and all kinds of stuff. So they have to kind of watch their, watch their step there. Yeah. I think that's a lot. That's something that a lot of people don't understand is that when you complain to the USPPA, it, they're more concerned about what's going on in training, what's being taught and stuff when it comes to like, oh, stuff. that's, yeah. that's not their deal because they're, it's not, it's a nonprofit organization. I, I had a big long chat with Alex Donaghy who worked with Jeff Goyne for many years. And he's like, people don't understand. We don't have the power to kind of rein in people if we have to, in that manner, if we, it's just, you know, we're too small as to be under scope. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, we, uh, 
at the very end of the day, you can go out with no licensing, no nothing, and start training people with Paramount or in charge for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bad idea, um, you know, just to, to wing it, you know, without any kind of structure and, and without going through some training yourself. Um, but legally, you can do a lot of that. The only thing that they have um, that really makes the big difference is the waivers. And so being able to do tandems and, um, you know, that kind of stuff really helps and, and to be able to issue ratings. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if, if people are really disgruntled with you, they, they're very free to, to go do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So as, as someone that does a lot of trike work, are there things that you feel that really sets you apart amongst a lot of other teachers and how you approach trikes and, and teaching people wheels? Um, yeah. So trikes are, trikes are easy, easier physically, but they're more uh, technical to do it right. Um, you know, you can take and, and get straight into the wind and, you know, get everything right. And yeah, you can launch on a trike, but to, to really fly a trike light, you need to learn real precise wing control without having the inputs of it pulling on your body. And, um, you know, the big advantage you have with a foot launch, when you pull a wing up, you can run under that wing and straighten it out that way. Gives you a lot more leeway that way. You need to have a lot more precise control with the trike. And uh, and so I've done a lot of it. Um, a lot of people that fly trikes still have this whole oscillation thing going. You'll see it a lot at fly-ins, man. Guys that launch with a trike and their wing is just back and forth and back and forth until they launch and they come off the ground sideways and, and, um, you know, you can kind of get away with that for a while, but then one little thing goes wrong and you're, you're going to hit really hard. Um, and so I have like, um, for instance, I have a pusher that basically it's a kind of little Briggs and Stratton motor with a chain and, and wheels on it that attach to the back of the trike. And, uh, I can sit on the back of it and push your trike along where you don't have the prop going and I can control the throttle and everything. And then that teaches you how to kite and then you can move that throttle to their hand and they still don't have a prop going on. Um, Cause awesome. the big thing with the trike is if it overshoots you, it usually causes the wing to fall straight onto the propeller. So that's pretty yeah. cool. I, I only thought trike trainers were done by like Kyle O. I never, I hadn't seen that from someone else before too. Oh no. Um, I've got one. Uh, Carson actually has a really cool system. Uh, happy with, yeah, happy thoughts. He's got he's got like a dead man on a trike. So if you leave the ground, it kills the motor. Oh, and uh, and then um, uh, the guys at Fly Products have some really cool stuff as well. Um, and they do some they do some quality trike training there. Uh, Travis and them at, at Fly Products. One up adventures. But yeah, it's just a little different. Uh, technique wise, it's different than a foot launch. It's not necessarily any harder or easier, but it's just a, a little different way you have to learn how to wing handle. And, and especially if you're going to, um, planning to eventually do tandems and stuff, then it, it's a whole different thing. Um, I see a lot of people that are like, oh, I want to get a trike so I can do tandems tandems are you had so much weight and vision being blocked and stuff it's something you should really take a step back 
and get very, very proficient on a trike before you're ever trying to do uh, tandem flights. Yeah, I just, it's interesting you just brought it up because like last night I, I wrote a little ditty about, I just see so, you'll get a number of like people who've never flown, they're just getting into this and they're immediately asking about tandem rigs and yeah. just going on that. And, and my writing wasn't necessarily about that. It was more of, I met an instructor that really, he happens to be a guy who uses foot launch tandems as part of training, not just introductory, but when you're ready to fly, mm -hmm. he goes up there, helps you. He uses it to practice patterns and coming in. So you, yeah, I do it with a don't do. And then I kind of went off into this whole tangent of like, Hey, if you're getting into this and you're, you have these dreams of giving people tandems, just put it on the back burner or go get a sports pilot's license because you know, tandems are meant for instruction because of our unreliability and stuff. You still have to, you have a passenger's life in your hands because there are oh, people out there. They do joy rides. They abuse the system. And, and some people die that way. We just lost somebody in my state from landing in a river and it was a total joy ride. And that guy has a pretty serious criminal charge against him right now. Yeah. And, and aside from the criminal charge, just having that, on your head is terrible. Yeah. Um, as a pilot, if you have any, you know, conscience at all, um, it, it, you know, I, I grew up in rodeo and stuff and you get in the arena on your own and it's, it, it, it's one of those things like, Hey, tear your body up, but save your gear kind of thing. Cause he, people heal. Um, but it's a totally different story and a, a different way to look at it when you have somebody's life hanging in your hands. And with tandems, it really, really is. Um, I fly completely different when I am doing instructional tandems than I do when I'm flying by myself. Um, way more conservative. And, and that goes even to another step when you start instructing. Um, being an instructor on the radio, because the person's life is still like in your hands, you know, theoretically, but you don't have any control over it. They, so you can tell them what to do to get, you know, out of their mess. But the first flights, um, you know, it's, it's this whole like roller coaster ride of emotions because it's extremely, extremely stressful. Um, you know, trying to make sure you do everything right from the ground to make them have a great safe flight. And, Frankly, some people just don't listen to you. <laughs> they yeah. uh, they do really good, and then you know if they get a little bit scared or something like that, they lock up, and you got to kind of talk them through that and work them through it and and be calm and everything the whole time. And yet, um, when they get on the ground safely, you know that that dopamine rush of helping them to achieve that is like nothing in the world. So it, I enjoy more the first flights of my students than I did my first flight, I think, because it's, it's just incredible. So what do you do tandems with? Do you do trike and I do. I don't do foot launch tandems. Um, I am at, uh, in my personal opinion, it's, it's a little too much um, kind of liability and risk for me where I'm at. If I lived on the coast where you got good beach wind, all that kind of stuff, then it's a totally different story. But I'm out altitude. 
and you know, I'm in the desert, it's very thermic and, uh, and you have to count on your passenger, um, in a foot launch tandem. They have to run, they can't sit down, you know, and a trike tandem, basically all they do have to do to launch is just sit there and, you know, don't like grab anything. And, uh, and so I do trike tandems for that. I still take students up, you know, hand them the brakes. We go through how to stop oscillations and, and pattern control. And I do a lot of shadowing where I'll have them put their hands on my hands. And then when we come into flare, they can kind of feel how that flare works. Sounds like I'm getting a tandem from John in the future. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a little different than, you know, a foot launch landing because you're landing on wheels. Um, but it's similar enough that it gives them a good idea and, uh, and kind of gets them used to being in the air. But, uh, but it also keeps the risk down of getting somebody hurt. Okay. Anybody in the chat have any questions for John? Do we get any questions? I, I would like to know um, how um, the school's doing. Are you uh, getting a lot of students? Um, so actually, this year, um, has been extremely slow. It's been, uh, one of the slowest years since I started. Is that um, maybe because of the heat? Uh, part of it's the weather. Uh, we had a really, really windy spring and a really hot summer. Um, so that didn't help anything, but a lot of it's money. Uh, the economy stuff, you know, when people's house payments go up, stuff like that, it, it just slows down. And I've talked to Everybody from, you know, the guys at Parajet to Brad to uh, people all over the country, other schools and stuff. And they're like, hey, pretty much everybody had a slower year. And um, especially kind of where I'm at, I'm in a more blue collar area. Um, you know, so those kind of median income where where the jobs, you know, a lot of construction work, that kind of stuff. So when stuff slows down, money gets real tight fast. Right. And uh, and I've seen it a lot, even online. There's there's a, a lot more gear, used gear being sold than, you know, the last three or four years. Um, and at a lot cheaper prices, which is great for somebody getting into it, but not so much if you're <laughs> if you're trying to get out of it um, or trying to upgrade your gear. Aaron and I wants to know what's your favorite scented smoke? Oh, <laughs> um. You know what? Probably the ginger snap. We uh, <laughs> we run a lot of smoke, and my my dad actually has this insane smoke machine on his unit. Um, quite a few of the guys saw it a few years ago at Endless Foot Dragon. It it uh it holds seventy seven ounces of baby oil, and it dumps it in like two runs, and you, it will literally white you out if you're following him. You can't see anything. Oh, <laughs> and uh, so he went through like all different kinds of flavors. I uh. I ran some for a while uh, called two by four and it basically smelled like fresh sawdust. And uh, I like that, but, but yeah, he ran this ginger snap cookie stuff and it was kind of brutal. It, it smelled like fresh break cookies. And so, uh, so yeah, that was probably the best. So Mike S says, according to the news, the economy is great. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That must have been CBS or NBC or one of those. And the border is secure. The border <laughs> Not is secure. to get into politics, I just live by the border. And so, <laughs> you know. Kevin Houston's I, uh, 
Oh, go ahead. I actually chased some. Uh, I didn't chase them. I just followed some illegals the other day down a wash so the cops could see where they were and <laughs> just circled above them. And uh, so we were flying by and a, a cop made a traffic stop and three of these illegals jumped out and took off running. And uh, so we followed him down the watch so he could know where they were the whole time. It was, nice. <laughs> it was <pretty> funny, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it, if, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of people up North and stuff that are like, Oh, you know, it's kind of fear mongering. The border's not that bad. It really, really is. It is like constant. Um, and most of it don't even make the news that's around here. Uh, they're just constantly loading up. You know, if they get a huge drug bust or something like that, where it's like hundreds of pounds of fentanyl. But they're getting like a, a couple of weeks ago, they had, um, I think this is the worst one just from the perspective. They had cattle trailers, like the big semi haulers that have cows in them. And they had took and built a false floor in it that was like a foot taller than the regular floor. And they laid all these people down in the bottom of it and then just put boards over the top of them and then had the cows on top. And so these guys are laying flat on their backs and, you know, all the manure and pee and everything's just going down through the cracks. Oh my God. <laughs> so I caught them and there, and there was like 60 people or something in this cattle trailer. So That's it's sad. a little crazy. That's sad. That's how I travel across country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So Kevin Houston, I think, came in a little late, and he says, what got you into the sport, unless you already asked that? Um, yeah. So basically, it was kind of by luck. We had a, uh, um, a hang glider trike, actually, uh, for a while. My dad bought one, um, the Delta Wing you know, with a Rotex 582 on it. And I, I grew up loving to fly, having friends that had bush planes and stuff. And uh, we had that. And then uh, my dad had ordered a new wing and the, the guy actually sold him a defective wing. And um, he, he took off and flew it. And uh, when you dropped below about 65 mile an hour, it would just start folding up and falling out of the air. And so my dad put it into the ground doing about 50, walked away from it, uh, broke his, kind of broke his hand up, uh, but otherwise totally walked away from the crash. All good. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that it, it was bad and it set us way back, but we were like, ah, I still love to fly and I'm getting into this again. And so when I moved to Arizona, I, uh, I moved to Maricopa and I went to see a guy at the airport that had one of those. And I was talking to him and he goes, Hey, you should go down to that air paramo right down there. And he's got these other little deals that are pretty crazy. And so I went down there and I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, not in this lifetime. <laughs> like this thing looks like this thing looks so sketchy. And, uh, and then I went out when they were flying it and I'm like, Oh, I guess it's not, I, I guess it is, you know, way more uh, user friendly than it looks like. And cause I thought it was totally like one of those, you know, 1970s ultralights that you know one wrong move and you were just plowing in in a ball of fire and uh and then i took one i took a tandem right up in a trike and i was just instantly hooked and i went and sold my dirt bike and started moving stuff around and figuring out how to get one and uh yeah i've been hooked ever since hmm. uh, you know is your wife weeks, any but, so my wife 
Yeah. So my wife, um, basically kind of her standpoint is why the girls are little. One of us needs to live. (laughs) (laughs) She will hardly go. Uh, She used to fly with me quite a bit. And then after we had our youngest child, which uh, the video you played only has my two older kids. Um, But I have one, I have a two year old. And after she had her, um, you know, a a slight rocking of the wind makes her car sick. And, uh, and so, yeah, she can fly for about five minutes. And then she's like, okay, we got to go land. Um, So, so it's kind of cut down on that, but she loves it. I've took, uh, I've took my older, my oldest daughter up. She's 11. And she absolutely loves it. But she's very tiny. So we're gonna have to wait a little longer before she's strong enough to to be oh, so on her own. the youngest one in that video was actually your my middle child yeah your middle one okay yeah okay yeah that video is well it's at the start of the pandemic thing yeah so that's the whole very beginning of covid um when people were freaking out and <laughs> actually the i think the toilet paper shortage is what prompted that video <laughs> <laughs> my wife being like everybody chill out it's not that bad <laughs> i was terrified you know how much toilet paper i run through that's why I'm de- i've got a million dollar idea and i'm gonna patent it but it's called a flushable spoon you ever like accidentally oh. pinch a knob and you spend like, like five hours wiping a two roll hey you guys want to do spinning wheel is it time for spinning wheel yeah bill h or do you want me to talk about my idea no, let's, let's do the spinning wheel <laughs> okay. I, mean, I was just checking. You know, sometimes you got to take a barometer of the audience. So. All right. Plus, too bad Travis is not here. <laughs> well, what are we giving away? Well, he's drinking water. Nothing. We're just doing the spinny wheel. <laughs> I'm giving away money. I I have some stickers and I have a hat. So. Oh, I want to win. What are we doing? The hat or the. Your hat. Um, I don't care. Either one first. We'll do both, but do them one at a time. Is it going to be Shane? might be Shane. Come on, Shane. Yeah. We'll see who wins, and then we'll decide what we give them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's Shane. Shane Planet Shane. 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 He finally won. For the first time in his life, he won. Ooh, look at that hat. Here's what it looks like. It's a nice hat. Gonna turn your head the other way, Deweese. Other no. way. There. There you go. I'm backwards. Okay, so Shane gets a hat. Do we want to roll for some stickers? Yeah, we'll do a sticker pack. <laughs> Come on, big money. Come on, flying flamingo. I once got in an argument with the guy at the roulette wheel over what he considered an odd number. <laughs> Spin this wheel is brought to you by Deweese Milstead. Deweese yeah. Milstead. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Joe. Joey. Joey gonna win. Joe Joey. Joey. Joey who? Who's, Who's Joe? Joe? You typed it. Maybe Sibley. Joey. Oh, it's Sibley. Joey Sibley. All Dang. right, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> nice man all right that was too much excitement for me i need a nap so Dang, i didn't get the sticker joe sibley is in northern missouri so that's where the sticker pack would be going okay in like tennessee or no, something. I, 
email me or or I don't know how you normally do that to get their information. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, oh, there is a whoever, question uh, here. Is it Shane? There's a question here. Any plans? This is from Ferret Triple O Seven. Any plans to group fly the wind pirate to wind pirate ranch during El Dorado? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. So we we have a plan. It's about a 19 mile trip, um, and so we're planning to leave the airport there, go fly along the San Pedro River. Um, there's actually a, what remains of a ghost town about halfway and fly to the ranch here and land. And then uh, if some of the guys want to and are feeling like, you know, like they need a little more, they can load up with gas here and then take it back off. And uh, I have a big 30 foot snowmobile trailer that we're going to unload everything out of. And then, you know, whoever doesn't want to fly back, we'll just load all their stuff in and take them back over there. So. Yeah, we'll we'll do definitely do a cross country trip. Ferret, cool. are you going to be flying with them there then? If, seeing that you're asking, let us know in the chat, or possibly. Cool. So, how many people do you have down in your area that you can fly with? Um, there's a pretty good group in Tucson. Um, you know, so typically um, there's six or seven guys at a time, but there's probably, oh, 20, 25 guys total in the, in the kind of the general area. And then there's a big group in Phoenix, but they don't ever come down this way. They're kind of snobby like that. I used to fly with them all the time. <laughs> I want to, I want to ask an expensive question so you don't have to answer it. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you get to fly with Eric Edmund at all? Uh, no, he doesn't hang out with any of the PPG guys. It's kind of uh, different. I've met him. Uh, I met him at the field when he was training um, and was cordial. I didn't have any kind of, I don't have any kind of issues with him, but he's on kind of north end of uh, Tucson. And he, uh, I invited him to the fly in the spring and stuff. And uh, yeah, he just doesn't really fly with any of us. He uh, mostly kind of has a couple guys that he flies with and then hangs out with the the free flight guys, I believe. And who is it? He's another instructor that's kind of in North Tucson. He's actually, uh, I think, had some uh, run-ins with some of the guys online um, oh. with training methods that he's used on the uh, that he's put up online. <laughs> he's an interesting character. That's why he's I uh, he's a little bit um, contentious online. <laughs> but um, does. He will. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. He said, I'll definitely be there with my 24 meter Colorado, too. Oh, cool. So there you go, Deweese. Is Linda wants to know if you've flown Sedona yet. Yes. And Sedona is amazing. It, it actually gets a lot of people, though, um, because it is high altitude. And so a lot of the guys that, that come from back east or, you know, are used to flying 300 feet above sea level have, find it very, very challenging to launch because it's at, oh, the, the launch site up there is at close to 6,000 feet. Um, so it, Sedona is a beautiful place to fly. You need to have low winds. And uh, it's really, really good to get a hold of a local and go fly with them because they know that area. And it's uh, pretty unforgiving. It's kind of like Moab is or whatever. If the winds are coming down the canyons, 
uh, you can get blindsided really easy. But it's a very, very cool place to fly. Have you ever flown around Superstition? Um, yeah, a little bit. I have drove, because um, we were kind of on the southwest side, so it was quite a ways over there to where they fly. Uh, there's a lot of the guys over in the East Valley of Phoenix that fly over there all the time. Okay. I don't know how many times I've drove over wanting to fly over there, and the winds just didn't let me. Oh. And so um, I've flown it around it a little bit, but but not very much. Um, it was, and it's one of those things, like I literally lived, oh, two blocks away from the field at auction, you know, where like all the copper mine and all that kind of stuff is right out of there. And so it's, you know, do I fly or do I go drive an hour and a half to go fly somewhere or do I drive five minutes and go fly for an hour and a half? <laughs> so, hmm. Jeremy's asking, do you ever get stopped by a border patrol? They haven't bothered him while flying the Canadian border? Actually, no. The Border Patrol guys um, have been super awesome, actually. Um, really, really cool. The only thing I've done, apparently, uh, we were flying really low uh, to the south of us one day and tripped a bunch of their cameras, uh, their motion detectors on their cameras. So we ran into one of the guys, and he's like, you guys maybe need to get some altitude, but those things look really cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you, you set off like all our cameras all the way down through the valley. <laughs> so well, how, how would you have to fly not to set those motion detectors off? I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not an acrobatics pilot. I, I never have been. It's not my thing. I, I get motion sickness if I spin around three or four times. Um, but my risk profile is very much probably higher than 90% of acro pilots. Um, I typically fly like, three feet off the ground. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had a, I had a guy ask me a while ago. He's like, well, I noticed you don't have a reserve on your trike. Uh, why is that? I'm like, I'm kind of better off with a pillow, you know, cause all I'm going to do with reserve is, is just throw it at the tree before I hit it. <laughs> Only flying three feet off the ground. You're just going to transition in the monster truck next. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I've been really fortunate. Um, uh, I had a motor early on um, in flying that that got a ghost in it, man, and it was it was terrible. I had like five different guys trying to help me fix it, and we never could figure out the problem in it. But it would just die randomly, and so I had a lot of motor outs, and um, and I've never had anything that was real serious, um, you know, crashing wise. Just motor out, land, and go on. But uh, I I haven't totally learned my lesson because I love flying low, and it is such a high risk, terrible idea. Um, it's straight up. It, it's a horrible way to fly. If you want to be safe. Do so. as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, it's, it's the beauty of, of it being a free sport and a free country. If you want to take the risk, you can take the risk. Um, my risk profile does not include turning upside down with my wing underneath me. I think that's how you dump the fairy dust out and stop flying. And so I, uh, I offset it by flying way too low, basically. I drive way too fast to worry about my cholesterol. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Shane Planet Shane asked, wondering if you would get in trouble if you flew over the border and back. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You cannot cross the border. And 
not even on our side. Like the cartels are not like these, some, you know, Indians living out in the desert with sticks and bows. They literally have very, very advanced uh, weapons and surveillance gear. Uh, the mountains on the other side of the border have as many as the cameras on them as the border patrol has on this side. And so you're running a big risk by flying over there anyways of, uh, you know, losing all of your stuff from either side of the border. So, okay. Um, I mean, I've heard it can be very profitable, but. <laughs> <laughs> so some nobody named Jeremy says, actually it's the treasure. How have you liked being a USPPA instructor administrator? What do you think the organization does well and what can be improved? Oh, I love it. Um, I think the organization is, uh, you know, when I started, Jeff Gowen had done a lot of work and I, I appreciate that. It's so much work what he put into like um, the PPG Bible and all that kind of stuff. But then I think it had kind of stalled out and had a very kind of limited value to your everyday pilot. Um, other than the PPG Bible, I don't think there was a whole lot of benefit to being a USPPA member. And the guys that are doing that now, Jeremy included, uh, Noah, um, I think Johnson Q and Alexis are the other board members. They've done a really, really good job of bringing that up between everything from the magazines to, you know, if you go on the USPPA website and go to resources, there's starting to be um, like airspace classes and stuff like that. I can't remember if it's airspace or weather that's up on there right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's super handy. Um, I've actually used it in my own class. I had a, uh, my hard drive like pooped out on me one day for no apparent reason. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't have this to train from. I'll just jump online and use the USPPA one. And I think they're doing a great job of that. I think they're they're adding a lot more value now than has been in the past. And I think that's kind of the right pathway to go, you know, to to make it something that people want to be involved in um, instead of like, oh, yeah, that's just those guys, you know, that they just want your money. And, <laughs> and it's definitely not because I, like I well, said, I've spent some time with Noah and I know how much time he puts into it. And uh, it's totally not worth it. <laughs> so. Speaking of the money, what do you think Jeremy's really doing with our money? <laughs> what is he really oh. doing? Going to Canada yeah. for <laughs> Right, I, I don't know. I just see all these pictures of him like out flying way up high and not working. So I'm guessing it's probably buying fuel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so probably not a lot. Um, judging by what it costs to do anything these days. I, I figured the, the coffers for the USBA are always running really short and tight. I think it's a front. He's laundering that stuff. Yeah. I'm great. You, Jeremy. Well, I'm going to say again, just the magazine is outrageous. That's a, that's a nice magazine. So yeah, it is a lot of money. I really goes want to be on the centerfold yeah. of that magazine one of these days. The centerfold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll have, have to do that. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to talk to the editor about that. I think I know a guy. Yeah. So, but no, I, I absolutely, I, I love being a instructor admin. Um, I don't really like the whole, um, 
responsibility that goes with it. You know, you always like leave thinking, what if these guys that I just gave an instructor rating, you know, change it. You can only know somebody so good in the amount of time that you spend with them. <laughs> you know, you think, what if a couple years down the road, they're that psycho guy that's like breaking all the rules. And then it comes back on me that, oh yeah, you're the one that gave him the green light. Uh, you know, that's always kind of in the back of your mind, but, but uh, for the part, do you have to certify? Uh, you don't have, yeah, you don't have to certify a certain amount. I don't think there's just a, uh, you have to hold a class uh, at least once a year. Okay. Um, I've done um, six, eight guys this year uh, that we've had run through. Uh, uh, I did one class. <laughs> um, I went to North Carolina actually um, with Darren Locklear uh, at uh, the power to fly guy out there and uh, had a blast. Um, he had some of his instructors that were already instructing. Uh, there was a couple guys from Georgia that were up there and um, he, we kind of worked everything out. They had already been doing it. So in, in a lot of it was very easy. It wasn't like I had to work on the, the normal, Hey, this is how you talk to. Um, uh -oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there it is. um, Brian but, wants to know. Brian wants to know if you ever hit a cactus when you were flying that low. No. Um, so I am terrified of Choya cactuses. I know everybody always says a lot about the big saguaro cactuses that you see, you know, in every cartoon since you were five. <laughs> but but uh, we have these other cactuses called Choyas, and they're uh, they call them a jumping cactus. And they are just evil incarnate. Um, <laughs> they're like little fiberglass splinters. And, and if you just the slightest bump into them and the whole limb of it falls off on you and they're barbed. And uh, so we used to I actually have a buddy that that flies with a pistol one all the time. He does it because we fly out in the desert all the time. And, you know, if you go down, you want to have some protection with you. But uh, he would get people that came in from like Canada and stuff. And they're, they're like, well, why do you carry that pistol? He's like, well, if I have an engine out and I'm going down in a Choya patch, I'm, I'm, I'm ending it at five feet. I'm not going. Through it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have it. I do have a video of a guy um, on my phone that I can't share. But uh, there, there was a, a pilot in the north end of Phoenix that had a motor problem. Landed, got his problem fixed, and went to launch. And the wind changed right as he was going to launch. And uh, yeah, he ran straight into a big choya patch and fell down. Had like oh. hundreds of them in from his knees to about the middle of his chest. And uh, he said when he took his pants off, it sounded like Velcro. That's because I don't bathe. <laughs> He stripped down and then there was there was somebody's house not too far away. And so he's in his boxers and going up to some random person's house like, hey, don't shoot me. I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the the question I told you that was going to come up. OK. That's her mother. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> Hi, Dad. So. What does the DRH stand for in your name? 
Okay, so I am named after my dad and all of my uncles. So my full name is John Allen Daniel Randy Hudson Martin. Um, and so I tried to put that in Facebook when I first got a Facebook account and Facebook said it was too long. And so I just took the DRH from Daniel Randy Hudson and shortened it down and put it in there as initials. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's the short version of my name. So, and then so. when I was chatting with them this past week, what do you want to be called? Because I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get all your names on a thumbnail. <laughs> so um, my, my dad's name is John and my grandpa's name was John. So I grew up uh, being John Allen. Um, and that's basically my first name. That always confuses people in, you know, the rest of the world. So I've went from, you know, Allen to a lot of people hear me called John Allen, and then they think that's my last name. And so they're like, hey, Mr. Allen, how are you doing? <laughs> um, so what so is I, your middle name? Is it Allen, David, Randall? No, Daniel is, uh, like, if you look at my driver's license, Daniel is put as my middle name. Okay. But my first name is John Allen, but there's a space in there. And then Daniel, Randy, Hudson are all my middle names, and then Martin. Um, but so typically most people business wise call me John and that's fine. Um, if people know me and my dad very much, it's either John Allen or they do the whole big John, little John thing, which all I have I, to say is if you get stuck <laughs> by a cop, the dispatcher and the cop are going to be so confused. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I did, oh, like a background or check or something like that. Uh, for work, and they it comes up as aliases, because <laughs> <Like, laughs> you know on my credit report and all that, some of it has the Daniel, some of it doesn't, you know, and so I had like four aliases, and it was just my same name but different ways to to write it out. So I'm like, well, I'm set, you know, if I ever decide to have a life of crime. <laughs> like Bill H says, John Allen, it is. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, my name's John Allen, but you can call me tonight. And what was the name you got yeah. teased with? Oh, no. I, I People used to do the whole, uh, like, the John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith thing all the time. Because <laughs> my name lines up to it, you know. <laughs> so they would do the John Allen Daniel Randy Hudson. <laughs> so, yeah. It's fun. And, uh. Like, uh, it, it's created some interesting stuff. I got married, um, and they didn't have enough space on my marriage license uh, to put my full name, so they had to take it out and put it in a typewriter and finish How it off. The wedding vows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't do all that. <laughs> so it, it is funny, though. My, my aunt, especially, you know, like when you're a kid and you get in trouble, uh, that's when your full name comes out. And so I have an aunt that would Always. John Allen, Daniel, Randy, Hudson, Martin, you get your hide over here. <laughs> That's when you know you're in big trouble. Yeah, you're in big trouble. For sure. Uh, Bonnie says, let's just call him Jam. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, I, I used to say, if you take my initials, it's J-A-D-R-H-M. So I am Jadrem. That is my Egyptian name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so. All right. 
Well, do you have any other fun facts or anything to share? Um, fun to do. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> As poor Angie is sick, this is what we get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, for the people coming out to the fly-ins, I've got. Um, I'm one of the main importers for HSCOM. Uh, so I have. Uh, we've got a new foot launch frame out, and so I will have that set up at the fly-ins. So I encourage people to come check it out. Um, the new titanium frame, and I'll have it there, and people can come check it out. It's called the Falcon LT. And will you and, uh, be at, what did I say was the one in February? Flying Circus? Uh, the Flying Circus? Um, most likely. Okay. I'm not uh, 100% on it yet. That's... That's like a long ways away. <laughs> so yeah, um, I probably will be there. Um, I usually make it. I think the only time I missed it in the last oh uh, eight or ten years has been uh, a couple years ago. I went to Salton uh, instead, um, but I'm probably not doing Salton this year. It, it's just getting smaller and smaller the way they they've closed down the beach. Oh yeah, and yeah. so I don't think I'm going to make the journey. Well, yeah, I, I'll be going to Glamis in December. There's some guys here that do a little mini fly-in up there, and I love flying Glamis. It's like one of my favorite places to fly. Okay. And uh, well, if Eric and I ever get down to visit my parents down in Benson, and make sure to make a point to come down. What are they like? Ten miles north of you? Yeah, pretty much. They're they're only about ten, twelve miles away. Okay. Which is, you know, in this area, that's pretty much neighbors, you know. Right. So. We'll make sure we come down and meet you. Oh, 100%. So. So. All right. Well, um, thank you so much. Um, I guess we didn't bring it up. If you have like a minute or two to stick around um, afterwards, yeah. um, we'll see if anybody wants to come in the after show. Let me quickly put... Uh, the invite in here. Oh, Remember you know what? I don't. I've never been on the panel here. Or anything? How do you guys do the after show? You just sit. Right <laughs> <there. Just stand. laughs> you don't Sweet. have to do a thing. <laughs> okay. Just remember, everybody, if you want to come in, it's what is it? Firefox or Fox? No, Fire? it's Google Chrome. I know Google, Google Chrome, Chrome or Mozilla Firefox. Yeah, Firefox. Yeah. So thank you everybody for coming tonight. And next week we have another Arizona uh, gentleman. Not to confuse you, his name is Jonathan Allen. Oh, I know. Jonathan. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. And he's out of Flagstaff, Arizona. So. Is he? Yeah, cute? it's like it's like a whole different state up there. You know. Oh. It's like all mountains. There's no desert up there. It's all mountains and rocks and. Craters, <laughs> big oh, canyons. Right. <laughs> All right. So stick around. And if anybody wants to join and say hi to John Allen, come on in and say hi to us before I know Deweese and I go to bed and, pass out. <laughs> and he passes out. And <laughs> that's kind of, I got up at six o'clock this morning, which is early for me. Picked a bad oh. week to stop sniffing glue. All right. So make sure you. Put us on the schedule for next week and give us a thumbs up real quick for John Allen. And we'll see you guys next week.
Steve? If we don't see you on there, we'll see you in there. Good night, everybody. Bye, Bye safe. Good night.